Hello and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Native American artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Native American community from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Kayla Abed, a citizen of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe and lives in northern Minnesota. Kayla has made a career out of supporting the arts through curation, education, equity, advocation, and administration. What makes Kayla so interesting is her thoughtful approach and support for the arts and her culture. She's a shining example of being involved in the arts on the other side of the equation. She is someone who doesn't like the spotlight, but uses her career to shine it on so many gifted and hardworking artists. So let's jump into this interview with Miss Abbott. So Kayla, thank you for joining us at Five Plane Questions. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> let's just uh, jump into this. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, your background, uh, where you're from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I am originally from Minnesota. I grew up in uh, rural central Minnesota. I always call it like dairy land or farmland. Um, but we were like located uh, south of the Mille Lacs band reservation area. And my grandparents um, lived in Isle at the time. And uh, so you know, I, I am a citizen of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, but like with the places that I grew up and worked and lived within, you know, I think from my childhood even, um, it, I've always been like uh, aware of, of like the ongoing, uh, you know, current events and other things uh, in Minnesota and beyond too with all the traveling that I've done. And what what brought you to Minnesota? Yeah, um, so I did uh, grow up here. Um, my uh, my father adopted me when I was like three years old, um, and so he and my mother uh, set you know settled in in uh, that area of the country. And uh, you know, throughout my time in Minnesota, um, my parents always thought that like traveling was really important. So I've had the opportunity, you know, again, like I said, since childhood, to travel all across, particularly like the Great Plains, and that kind of like spirit of travel, like uh, I think, has like continued as like a thread throughout my life. Um, so uh, when I went to college, like the last year of college. Um, you know, I really wanted to like study abroad and, uh, but I wasn't able to do that. And so I worked with my advisor at the time to, uh, move to Denver, Colorado. Um, and then that's kind of where I got this idea of like wanting to live in, um, all the areas where like my ancestors, OJD Shakoin people lived. And so then I kind of, you know, from Denver, Rapid City and Martin and, and kind of all the spaces in between just working on, on relationships and understanding myself and my culture and, and the communities that I flow in, um, you know, and it's kind of led me to, to where I am now. Um, you know, currently I'm serving as a community learning catalyst with Arts Midwest. Um, but, you know, one thing that I love about that job is that it's remote. It was intentionally designed um, as a remote position so that um, like the, the 
uh, person in the position could uh, effectively work with um, native and tribal communities. And so today I, I live um, on 1855 treaty territory uh, in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Um, and, you know, it's just a beautiful place to live. I, I love living rural and, and um, you know, all the communities that surround us as well. So yeah, that's kind of where, where I've kind of moved, moved on the landscape, I guess. Working from rural, that, that seems um, tailor fit for what's happening, uh, mm -hmm. or working remote, excuse me, uh, seems tailor fit for where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about your position uh, and, and, with, and who you're with right now? Yeah, yep. Um, so like I said, I'm currently with Arts Midwest. Um, it's a large uh, multi-state regional uh, arts organization that uh, seeks to connect organizations, uh, nonprofit organizations with uh, innovative community leaders and, uh, you know, solutions uh, within our communities just through like relationships and connections and grant funding to make things come to come to life, I guess, uh, these projects that folks have have in mind for their specific communities. And that's one of the things that I love is, is just the idea that, you know, communities themselves are the ones to dictate what projects are going to be effective or um, inspiring or engaging to the people that live and work there, live and work there. Um, and yeah, so as community learning catalyst, um, I, my position was created um, after Arts Midwest um, began to be the administrator for uh, the Bush Foundation's uh, Community Creativity Cohort. Uh, and the cohort is a group of 40 organizations and about 100 individuals within that um, that is focused on uh, Black, Indigenous, Tribal, and other um, POC-led uh, orgs uh, plus uh, organizations that are specifically located in rural areas. So for me, it just feels like a really good fit, like uh, making sure to emphasize the relationality between um, the work that organizations are doing, but also recognizing uh, things that, that the individuals within there are, are going through, uh, you know, especially during these times as well. So I've been there now about, about a a month, I think. Uh, so fairly new. Um, but I, my previous organization had been a member of the cohort. So thankfully, I, I have some of those relationships, um, you know, started and uh, hope to just emphasize the work that that folks are doing and creating connections uh, to resources or supporting uh, projects and capacity building that, um, you know, everyone's striving for. Well, congratulations on on your new position. Uh, that's you. that's very exciting. Uh, with your your previous um, uh, position, that's how we met. Uh, we yep. were we were on a um, oh, how how what was the the actual description of it? Um, it was uh, oh a, a curatorial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, curatorial tour of Canada. <laughs> of Canada, that was an experience. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was great. And a great <laughs> it collection was interesting. of people. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about your influences? Uh, who influenced you to, uh, I guess, to step into this path that you're on now and yeah. what drives you? Yeah. You know, I, when I saw this question, I was like, oh my gosh, I like, there are so many people who have guided me and provided advice and mentorship across my 
um, whole career. And so I was like making a list and I was like, oh, I think this is too many names <laughs> to put all in there. Um, but I guess maybe if I just start um, from the very beginning, you know, I think like with a lot of us, we don't um, have like accurate historical knowledge about um you know, uh, tribal nations or native folks in public school. So when I got to college, um, two of my professors were native women and and both of those individuals, I, I credit for building the foundation for me to launch launch my career and, and personal journeys, uh, you know, especially with the move to Denver. Um, and I think like just as I've as I've gone on, um, things have kind of just, um, I don't know, flowed really well. And the people that I've been able to meet have have come into my life at at really good times. Um, I think one individual would be Dr. Craig Howe uh, with the Center for American Indian Research and Native Studies. Uh, that's where I did my first internship um, and then did some other um, like exhibits uh, programming with him. And then uh, moving on a couple of years from that, I was able to participate in the Indigenous Art Journal program at the Banff Center. Uh, and there I met amazing folks um, representing uh, tribal nations and indigenous communities from all across the world. Uh, and so that's kind of a lot of the people that I'm gonna mention are, are uh, folks from there. Uh, number one, I think is uh, Nahiraka Mason. Uh, she's a Maori curator and visual historian and she was one of the um, I guess you know like guides for the program uh, or like advisors to the program and her and I were able to have some conversations about uh, like energies uh, within arts and where where the arts and um, like come into like a historical context around uh, recognizing like indigeneity and creativity uh, but then also how contemporary art uh, dichotomizes or like boxes in certain groups of people. Um, and I think one of one of like the most um, foundational conversations we had was about those energies. And she had curated the Honolulu Biennial in 2017 and worked with an artist who uh, created these beautiful chandeliers. Um, and each of the uh, pieces of the chandelier represented a spot in the Pacific that was impacted by um, nuclear uh, radiation. And she was just describing to me how, you know, in a contemporary sense, just understanding that we're all related, um, we're even related to these new energies that, that are being created by, by man mankind. Um, and how does that relate to the things that we've recognized as as relatives in the past as well so that was she she just you know she's a scholar too so she just constantly inspires a lot of the the research that i do um and uh just a couple more folks i think like to go back to his more historical time would be ella deloria um, I think uh, maybe folks are familiar with some of her work uh, as a ling linguistic uh, expert in, in Lakota and Dakota language and just the ethnographic work and emphasis on, you know, ob obtaining and maintaining and, uh, I guess, you know, relaying the information that she was gathering from her family and communities in a way that was 
you know, at, especially during those times, <laughs> like deeply uh, significant to representation of, of our cultures and our languages. And when I worked at the Sioux Indian Museum in Rapid City, I was able to work on a project. Uh, she had created a dictionary of all of the objects in the collection at the time and the appropriate Lakota name that would be associated with that object. You know, so kind of from a contemporary to historical uh, influences there, but there are so many other, other folks um, across North America who have just really um, been so influential in how I see my myself in the community and how I show up and and I guess just the ongoing work that we have to do, especially being in the arts and and what that means for our communities. It, it's interesting hearing you uh, mention some of these names because uh, they've they've come up in other conversations. But it also shows just how interconnected we all are. Um, you know, Doctor Doctor Howe, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what a guy, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but even um, uh, my dad grew up with Vine Deloria, and yeah. so you know, there's a while historical. There's still a very real connection to that mm-hmm. family and to those individuals. Mm-hmm. So it, it just shows how interconnected we all are. You oh, know yeah. that it's it's not so much a historical in a sense, uh, figures yeah. that are separated by decades and at this point, a century or so, but uh, that there are still very real relationships of, of all of us interconnected uh, mm-hmm. throughout our narrative. Yeah. Yep. And it just makes me always like think like, what is time? <laughs> you know, like a century, oh, yeah. like seems like a, a long time in our present, but you know, in, in the, just in our existence, it's just the blink a blink in uh in what we're going through and what where we've come from. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. My not not to go on to my own family stuff, but when my father was a little boy, uh, he talked about how he he remembers his great grandmother uh, who was Wanata's wife, and she was this little old lady. Wanata was born in the eighteen thirties, and was involved in a, a lot of what was going on in Minnesota. Uh, you know, uh, mid 19th century. So yeah, it, it just shows that there's still that connection. Um, mm-hmm. And the question about time uh, is very relative. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So can you talk about your, um, how you've developed your career uh, through college and post-college? Yeah. Yep. Um, so, you know, I think with, with all of us or not all of us, but many of us, I, I think high school, especially uh, where I was located at the time was kind of a struggle um, being like one of the only native native people there. And I mean, just not to generalize too much, but one of the only people of color uh, in, in the, in the school um, was, was challenging for me. So when I became a junior um, in high school, I had the opportunity to attend um, like it's called PSEO or post-secondary education option. And from there, I was able to take classes at St. Cloud State University and kind of get ahead on on some of the coursework for college at that point. And when I came into that new environment um, on campus and the classes and the people and professors that that I was um, around all the time, I feel like I just kind of started to blossom and come into my own identity and personality um, you know, outside of like the context of uh, the social nature of, of uh, 
high school in those developmental stages. And so I ended up, uh, after graduation there, I ended up um, continuing at St. Cloud State. And uh, I majored uh, in psychology and my minor was in American Indian studies. Uh, and I had a lot of emphasis in um, history there, but also like uh, Native women's literature, uh, you know, just kind of some other like interconnected uh, focuses on that. And so with my psychology degree, I've always been interested in in how like the biological aspects of psychology. And so I thought, OK, well, this seems like a natural path for me to continue on on with psychology and maybe like be a therapist or some type of, or like a social worker or something like that. Um, Cause I, I, one of the things that, you know, I've just found across everything is that I love working with people and I love um, kind of like being that connective tissue to help others find others who, who have opportunities um, for both of them to grow if they, if they're in the same like mind zone. So I was like, Oh, so maybe, the, you know, this kind of like psychology path is what where I'm going to like continue going. Um, but then in 2013, I had the opportunity, um, my one of my professors, um, Dr. Jean Lacourt, uh, she sent me a uh, like a listing for the Minnesota Historical Society's American Indian Museum Fellowship. And and it was like a day or two before the due date. So I just like quickly like uh, you know, made my application and my proposal. And then I was just like thrilled <laughs> a couple weeks later to find out that I had been accepted um, to that program. And that is where, I mean, I found what like the zone of, of my focus and what, what I continue to do today. I, I can specifically remember like, so we traveled to all of these um, museums and institutions, um, tr uh, tribal museums too, and, and archives. And I specifically remember um, we were at the Mille Lacs Indian Museum and Travis Z Zimmerman was um, showing us uh, some of the collections that they have there. And there was a moment where, where he opened the collections um, cabinet, uh, just this big, tall, um, you know, uh, kind of like a shelf or storage, storage area. And it was like this, this, um, it's like such a, like, uh, sensory experience. I, that's why I think I remember it so well. It was like, uh, this rush of air and the smell of, of the objects. And it kind of just like enlightened me to so much of like history and what it means and the, the importance of, uh, caring for for our history in these physical ways, um, and after that, I was like, okay, it's 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 decided. Like, I'm I'm going to continue in the historical and artistic um, areas of of work and life. And um, when that uh, fellowship program ended, that's actually like the next day. <laughs> I moved to Colorado, so I just stayed in Minneapolis, got on a plane, and and flew to Denver, and. Uh, I had been accepted for an internship at the Denver Art Museum uh, and the History Colorado Center. So I was doing two internships um, at the time. I don't think that there was like a major emphasis on uh, paying for, you know, interns. Uh, now I'm glad to see that things are changing, um, but I did have to find employment. 
Um, and thankfully, there were some positions open with both of those institutions. So I was able to work uh, from, you know, the customer service side, the education department side, um, and then collections management side at the at the art museum. And, you know, it was just a really immersive experience. And for me to be completely sorry about that, if you heard that, um, uh, for me to be just like completely away from the areas where I grew up in. Um, it it just like showed me within myself that like I can have this independent spirit, but also rely on people who are part of my communities and people who will who will uh, you know from back then uh, become like kin to me. And yeah, so that was an amazing experience. The the Denver Art Museum you know has been going through a lot of changes, and uh, it was just I don't know I. It was just a great, great couple of years there. Um, and then later on, I found an internship with the federal government um, in Rapid City. And I had already lived in South Dakota um, for a summer, uh, I think like a couple years before that. And that's when I did the internship. And so I had had my connections in Rapid City and um, in Martin and so I, I once again picked up and I moved there and the internship eventually opened itself into a full-time position at the museum. Um, and that too was was a um, kind of a blend of uh, historical object uh, management and care, uh, but also uh, working with native artists because the museum is actually a part of the Indian Arts and Crafts Board within the Department of the Interior. So, you know, just this whole like trajectory, I was like going in history museums, art museums, nonprofits, and and then now the federal government. So I was kind of getting an idea of all the various industries um, and the functionalities of them to kind of, you know, looking back, see what fit me best in my personality. Um, I, I'm really like, super chatty, so I can like keep going on, on all of that. Um, but, you know, when, <laughs> real quick too, when I was, um, in Rapid City, I had the opportunity, like I said, to work with um, Dr. Howe as a co-curator for the Lakota Emergence Exhibit. Um, and that was just for my own curatorial practice and um, working directly with contemporary objects and um, objects that are truly a part of the community um, for Lakota people um, in Rapid City. Uh, it was an amazing, amazing opportunity for me and really helped define how I work and and um, the connections of people that that I still hold today. Um, but eventually I was I was uh, kind of missing uh, Minnesota a little bit. And so I decided to, to move back. And then this is where I get a little off course. <laughs> I don't know if it's off course, but uh, I was more exploring once again, like the industries. And I thought, oh, well, maybe. Uh, public public school teaching because uh, I've always been interested in in helping folks learn would be something um, and so I ended up taking a position with AmeriCorps uh, up in uh, Coleraine, Minnesota. Uh, if you don't know where that is, it's it's way up north, like three hours north of the cities, and probably about fifteen minutes uh, to the east of Grand Rapids. And that that too was an eye opening experience, and just made me realize that as much as I love teaching, I think that I love um, community learning experiences, um, and that's what I started to to um, draft myself around um, rather than within that system. 
Um, and thankfully in Grand Rapids, there's an, a really amazing art gallery called the McRossi Art Center. And I started there as the art shop coordinator. And over a couple of years, I eventually um, moved up to be the gallery director. Uh, so working with um, two, two separate gallery spaces. And I think at one point when I did the math, I, you know, between group shows and, and solo shows, we had like over 120 artists, maybe more <laughs> that we were working with uh, in a year. So, uh, in a year. Know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that was, that was a amazing experience. And, and I'm just glad that as I move into this new role, I can, um, continue to, to maintain the, um, people that that I've come to know and love and respect and and work with up here in in Grand Rapids and our surrounding communities. So yeah, it's been kind of like a just a, you know, a river of of um uh different experiences and things and industries and it's not always been easy, definitely not. Like when I when I say it all out like that, it sounds like it was just step by step by step. <laughs> but there were definitely challenges and um, great op- learning opportunities for me as an early career professional back then. Um, you know, so so yeah. But when I look back, I, I am proud of of the work that I've done and the things that I've learned. So yeah, that's kind of a little bit about about all that. <laughs> Well, I think an important point uh, in all this is that with all those experiences, you've you've showed up to those, you've made yourself available to all those experiences. Um, mm-hmm. So how, and I guess you've you've covered this uh, a bit, but how have how do you seek opportunities? Uh, mm-hmm. What, yeah, I, I guess yeah, how do you keep an eye open uh, for different opportunities? Yeah, I think one of the most important things for anyone, um, if you're seeking this type of um, like career or or just just general opportunities to get involved, is to really um, like be a part of of the place that you live. Um, whether you consider that like the whole region of Minnesota or you know your specific town or city, um, just really like be there and show up and and work hard and and develop a a good reputation and a good legacy of the work that you've done um you know and and once once you have that um rootedness in in your like local or regional community then you know people for me at least people then start to come um and you know uh, show you opportunities that are out there or you become aware of it just through the networks that you're a part of um, and, you know, like I said, a lot of these things for me have just showed up um, in the right place at the right time. And then um, having that that centeredness within within myself and my family and and um, the place where I live, um, you know, it kind of it kind of manifests itself. And once again, that that makes it sound like so simple and easy, but it's it's everyday work. It's it's day by day, hour by hour, just making sure that that you're there and available, but also taking care of yourself and and uh, having boundaries for your time and for your uh, energies too. <laughs> energies too, excuse me. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just um, you know making sure making sure that that you're there and. and you know, for me, I, I'm not one that likes to be in the spotlight or in the limelight or whatever, anything, but uh, I, I just always am trying to, um, you know, I guess like introduce myself to people or finding the protocols to meet people in, in the right way. 
Um, yeah, so so that's kind of where I where I come from on on seeking opportunities. So through, I'm going to throw an extra uh, a bonus question in here. <laughs> um, what what have you learned along the way? Yeah, that's a big question too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, uh, there. I mean, there's been uh, even in the past year. I think with everything that we're going through, um, so many opportunities um, that have kind of like shown themselves um, in where I need to be more cognizant or aware or um, places that I might be able to help um, others learn about. And, you know, I think like as a, as a uh, developing career professional, um, one of the biggest things is just uh, kind of, kind of those boundaries again, uh, knowing, knowing where yourself starts and where uh, your responsibilities uh, and obligations to the community start and where they come together and connect so that you're not like overextending yourself or um, creating situations where you're kind of affecting um, the people around you, um, uh, if that makes sense at all. And uh, like, like I said, there's, especially in the past year um, with everything that's been going on socially and like uh, with the pandemic, I've learned a lot about um, the relationships uh, between uh, like tribal nations, indigenous people, tribal citizens, and also how our communities within there can um, work in tandem or like in the same confluence as other communities that are striving for justice and, and equity and inclusion. And that's kind of where one of my focuses of learning is right now is uh, recognizing where those biases are within me and how that might be showing up in my work. Um, but it's really, I mean, I think for anyone who is um, interested in, in learning, like, like it's kind of cliche, but it is a lifelong journey. And, and um, you know, with, uh, with uh, social media and with um, access to, you know, certain folks have access to education and uh, those type of op- opportunities or experiences. Um, I think more than ever, we have the, um, I don't know if responsibility is the right word, but we have the um, availability to teach ourselves and to develop relationships with people that we might not have even, uh, you know, for better or worse, we might not, that might not, those people might not have been in our immediate consciousness um, right away, but we now have means you know, at least some folks, um, you know, I'm thinking about people who might not have the internet or, or access to other things like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, many of us have the means to um, delve more deeply and reflect upon our, ourselves and our journeys and how that individualism can translate back into like community-based um, networking and care for care and safety for all people, I guess. So, yeah, for me, that's kind of a big question because, you know, I could go into like specific, specific things, but that's just kind of like my philosophy for, for um, how I do continue to, to learn and to grow and teach myself and, you know, infuse that into to everything around. I, th- I think that brings us right into uh, the, the fifth question. And that is what, what do you want to say to the 18 year old or the 20 year old that's listening to this? Yeah, I think firstly, um, I would I would probably say, um, 
that that life life is going to change. Uh, you know, I, I just looking back on on my experience, um, I think I would tell myself like just just keep just keep going on, just keep moving on. Like like you're gonna move out of these um, certain um, places that you live or spaces that you interact with people. Um, and just keep on doing the work and focusing on yourself and the people who, who are relate, you know, like in kinship with you or, or care about you. Um, cause you do need to like protect yourself and, and have care also for, for how that shows up, um, in, in all of your networks. Um, but you know, at, as, as an 18 year old, I don't think that I ever could have imagined that I would be where I am today or that I would have the, the kinships or friendships, um, with the folks that, that, uh, you know, I, I call colleagues or friends or family. Um, I honestly, I honestly, Joe, I don't think that I could have ever <laughs> envisioned, uh, being at this, at this point in time, but, um, just, I think through hard work and diligence and, and continuing those learning journeys, um, that's, that's kind of where I have, have found myself. And, uh, another thing maybe would be just to be open to, you know, not to, not to get too like esoteric or in, in the, in the ether or wherever, but, um, you know, just be open to recognizing, um, up like, like spaces where, you know, the universe or, or, um, you know, whatever your, uh, you know, spiritual affiliations, just recognize that I truly think that like our ancestors are there to guide us and the spirits are there to guide us and, and show us whether good or bad, like things that we need to take part in or, or remove ourselves from for a while. Um, so, you know, from one end, it's kind of just the hard work and and day to day life as a as a human person on the planet. But then also, I think it's more important than ever to recognize like the energetic forces that also um, bring themselves into our life. Um, whether whether that's um, you know <laughs> from a scientific lens or a, or a spiritual lens or wherever you're coming from, I I do think that things things um, things will will get better for folks and. Uh, you know, with authenticity and honesty and, and hard work, um, you know, at least this is kind of, I'm kind of just thinking about my experience and some of the experiences of uh, youth that I've worked with in the past. Um, things, things change and, and just being open to change and uh, which is, which is easier said than done, I know, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I just remember being that young person and not knowing and, and feeling like I needed to have it all figured out or, or go to mm. college or do this or that. But um, like I said, the, just being open, it, it uh, really has emphasized where I'm meant to go and flow and who I'm meant to be in relation with. Kayla, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for this and your time. Of course. I'm so happy. I listen to your podcast uh, like every every time you get an, a new episode out. So um, I'm trying to share it with folks, too. I'm just really happy and honored that uh, I'm able to, to speak today with you. Oh, that's so kind. Thank you so much. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Kayla again for her time and sharing her story with us. I'm always honored and humbled speaking with her. Uh, she, she's an example, a prime example of someone who is 
in the art field curating and being a leader and doing it the right way. So if, if you're looking to get into this field, she is a shining example of, of what to do. That's a lot of hard work, that's a lot of dedication, and it's a lot of showing up to do the work. And a prime example of someone to, to follow. So please uh, invest your time in, in studying that example. So Kayla, thank you again. Uh, that being said, uh, more importantly, I want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important perspective and story from our community. So please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists on Facebook or at the plainsart.org website. Uh, there you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and soon more podcast platforms. We also have a new supporter that I can't quite talk about yet, but I'm very excited about that. Uh, we also have an Instagram page. Um, it's uh, the Creativity Among Native American Artists. And we also have a Twitter account. Um, it's random. It's, it's out there. It's, it gets updated when we update the IG account. So uh, that's there. So follow us on all those platforms. And if you enjoy this uh, podcast series, if you enjoy these interviews, please rate and um, and share us. Uh, we could definitely use the support uh, as we move into this podcast world. Uh, it's pretty exciting uh, moving through this. But yeah your support's appreciated so also if you have a suggestion of someone for me to interview please reach out to me on facebook and message me i would really like to hear from you okay that's it take care and we will see you next week